Stop asking your buyers to do all the work of scheduling a meeting for you using calendar links. Chronologic AI predicts guests' availability with over 80% accuracy, so you can improve your buyer's experience by allowing them to just click accept on a meeting invite. Chronologic does the work of scheduling the meeting for everyone. Visit chronologic.com forward slash making fun of marketing for your free two-week trial. If you go and spend enough time in your newsfeed on Facebook or TikTok or any of these programs, the billion-dollar companies are trying to look like a regular person. You know, they will do these ads where it's just someone on their phone being like, well, we're just yeah. hanging out at the barbecue. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, no, this is a, a, a Fortune 500 company that is trying to look like just a random person on a cell phone in their backyard. And I'm like, oh, that's what people trust. They don't trust the media. They don't trust celebrities. They don't trust politicians. I'm Scott Logan, and we're Making Fun of Marketing. Thanks, everyone, for joining this episode of Making Fun of Marketing. We have a great guest for the show because he literally has been in the industry of making fun of and comedy. Chris Bowe joins us as the creator of the Complete Selling Guide on video. It's a digital course that he offers, and he's also been a sketch writer and director for Second City, which is very cool and hosts his own events and has a lot of funny videos that caught my eye. And I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to have a creative person who has made a career of selling on video and has become an expert on it. So welcome, Chris. Thank you for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Let's start off by maybe your transition into where you are today with this course and and the the foundation of it. Everything I'm doing here, I, I run my own business. I've been going at it for about two and a half years, coaching people to get on video. Mercifully short video is what I call it. So sometimes that's video prospecting for sales. Sometimes that's video content for marketing. But it all happened kind of accidentally. I had been doing sketch comedy and improv comedy and stand-up and experimental theater for a long time. And then I stopped. I was on a three-year dry spell. I had not been doing anything creative. I was selling technology to universities. It's a very long and complicated sale. And COVID happened. All of a sudden, the three best ways I had to reach out to prospects were no longer available to me. And those three ways were cold call their office, visit them at an educational conference, or visit them on campus. So all my trips got canceled. Nobody was in their office anymore wasn't getting where I wanted to get with cold email. So I started getting on video and I quickly realized a few things. One, they don't teach you how to get on video in B2B sales. No. They literally don't know how. Two, I have a lot of like experience in front of a camera. So I started teaching people. I started creating content on LinkedIn. And then I kind of fell backwards accidentally into comedy again. So I've got some friends who've done very well for themselves. They live in Los Angeles. They've built million-dollar content brands for themselves. They're very successful on YouTube and TikTok. I was fortunate enough that they provided some mentorship and some coaching to me. And soon enough, I was doing sketch comedy again, but on LinkedIn. And now I have this nice little system where I have fun satirizing a lot of the cringe on LinkedIn but I try to do everything through an educational lens. Now I'm coaching content marketers too. I've kind of found this little happy compromise where I am consulting, I am training, I'm helping sellers and marketing teams get on video, but I also get to do pretty much whatever I want. And if anybody at home has ever seen uh, any of my stuff, it gets pretty absurd. Yeah. 
Um, but it turns out there's no penalty for that. The LinkedIn police don't come and arrest you if you're funny. It's actually just a, a really effective lead magnet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what were some of the moments that you had when you were selling on video and selling to education and outfits and universities that made you think, oh, this is more than just me goofing around with video and every once in a while it works. Like what were some of those moments that you thought that that's it? Yeah. So there was a lot of really eye-opening moments for me. One, just realizing that like I could get in front of prospects who had been ignoring my company for years. We had been calling, we had been emailing, we'd been trying to do everything we could to get them. And all of a sudden, the people that never responded to those types of messages were now gettable. The other thing that really pushed me in this direction was I was mentoring some young salespeople. I had a talented account manager that I was working with. And I experimented with getting them on video too. And if you've ever worked in education sales or if you've ever worked with universities, there's a certain type of professor who was not born in the United States. They were born usually in an Asian country and they come to the United States and the first thing they do is they change their name because they've got a name that guys like you and I tend to mispronounce, right? So they change their name. This was the type of professor that did not tend to take sales calls for me, right? But at the time I had an account manager and she spoke fluent Mandarin. Uh -huh. We experimented just getting her on video and being like, hey, I work here personally with all the professors at the university. You know, here's some of the work that we're doing with some, some professors in some schools you may have heard of. Would love to meet you. All of a sudden, those professors started setting demos with us. And I went, huh, if you have a storyteller on camera that looks like the audience, that audience realizes, oh, this person might understand what I'm going through, you know, and... I had a young black mentee that I was mentoring. He was a young black man. He was a talented guy, a little nervous, a little new to sales. I coached him to get on video. And, you know, he wanted to talk to black professors. He wanted to share his perspective. And I, I got him on camera for 30 seconds talking about what it feels like to be a black student. And all of a sudden, he started setting demos with professors who kind of like felt a connection with him, you know? And I realized like, oh, this is so powerful. If you just look straight into the lens and you talk straight to the prospect, it's, it's just incredibly captivating. And there was a study that, that kind of gave me a hint that this would work. I, was, I don't talk about politics, especially on LinkedIn, but the study blew me away because they were studying the 2020 election and it was a group of researchers trying to figure out what convinces a swing voter. So these yeah. were people that voted for one party in 2016 and they changed their vote in 2020. They voted for the different party. Mm -hmm. This is a very small group of people. This is very important if you're somebody who, you know, does political campaigns. And they were testing out the ads. They wanted to see what persuaded this group of people. And what they found was it didn't matter if they voted for Trump or if they voted for Biden. If it was too overproduced, if there was too many celebrities, if there was too many Hollywood special effects, people didn't believe it. But when it was just a regular person talking straight to the camera, that was what moved the needle. And once I read that study, I looked around and you, Scott, you can see this yourself. Anybody at home can see this too. If you go and spend enough time in your newsfeed on Facebook or TikTok or any of these pro programs, the billion dollar companies are trying to look like a regular person. You know, they will do these ads where it's just 
someone on their phone being like, whoa, we're just yeah. hanging out at the barbecue. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh no, this is a, a, a Fortune 500 company that is trying to look like just a random person on a cell phone in their backyard. And I'm like, oh, that's what people trust. They don't trust the media. They don't trust celebrities. They don't trust politicians. But they trust the people they interact with regularly on their phone. Yeah. And if you can make yourself into a trusted face where you pop up and they're like, oh, I like that guy, you can sell to them. They will give you an open ear. And frankly, I can't, I can't believe more B2B companies haven't caught on to this. Yeah. There is a lot to unpack there with video you can now recreate that kind of a moment, whether it be with a personal story that you're telling or even something that you even see that they see in your background or you see in their background if they're on a call with you. You can utilize that to make that connection that may have gone away or isn't even available through email and, and phone calls, correct? I have a couple thoughts on that. One, I don't know if your audience can see it, but like I've got a saxophone and a clarinet behind me, right? I use that for the same purpose. I don't mention it on sales calls, I don't mention like, wow, look at my saxophone. But people talk about it, you yeah. know? And a lot of the people who show up to my sales calls, one of the first things they say is, oh, I used to play the saxophone. It is a storytelling device where I don't need to even say anything, but I strategically put things behind me. I say the prospecting video is a short video about them. Mm -hmm. Mostly I am talking about their values and their goals. And I write down the words you a lot. I say, you, 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 hey, Scott, I'm reaching out to you. I know you value this. I see you're working on this. I know this is a priority of your company. I know your company values this. And that's why I think we should meet. I see a lot of alignment between us. And specifically, I help people reach this kind of goal. And let me know if you're open to a conversation about that. That is the video. And then I follow up. But now when I cold call them, now when I call their office, I'm not, hey, can I have 17 seconds before you hang up? It's like, oh, I'm the guy who made a video for you. Did you have a minute to watch that? I wanted to just see what you thought of it. And I find it's just a really good way to like, video allows you to control both your first and last impression. You know, so I'm still doing email. I'm still doing phone. I still do text, DMs, voice notes. I do it all. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to be able to do it all these days as a seller. But I anchor the relationship around that first initial humanizing moment. I noticed them. I saw them. I recognized their values. Yeah. And I mean, that's just a great sales best practice, no matter what, is make it about their value. The personalization doesn't happen on like video where you're like, hi, Chris, and I'm holding up my piece of paper and it's a whiteboard and it says, hi, Chris, and then you pitch. It's always about them, but when you can make it about them, about the little bit of research that you do ahead of time with a less than 60 minute video, you make that connection more so than other folks. What are the ways to scale or can you scale that effectively? Because as a buyer, I can, act, I can easily see that it was a high first name script versus a little bit of work to do that, but it does take a little bit of work to make it more personal. Oh, there's so many ways to scale this. Everybody is just doing too much. Everybody's talking too much. Everybody's doing too much screen shares. Everybody, people spend so much time being like, I've got to change my background to make it the website of my prospect so I can show them. It's like, dude, your prospect knows what their website looks like. You can just mention it. If two days before the meeting, I pop on video and I say, hey, Scott, 
looking forward to our meeting this week. Here's one thing I want you to think about. And I'll see you Friday at 1 p.m. That's a 15-second video. I'm like, how many hours of cold calling did you spend to get that meeting on the calendar? How much work did you go to get that yeah. person to schedule it? You can literally just pull up the calendar and say, who needs to show up this week? You film them all back to back to back. You send them out. Every time I don't do that, I regret it. Every time I think, oh, I'm so great at selling. Oh, my personal brand is so, I don't need to send one of those reminder videos. People will get busy. People reschedule. People ghost. Again, that little human moment where they see that like you're expecting them to be there is it makes a huge difference. Yeah. But nobody does it. Nobody does it. Anyone who's and, accepted a meeting for that week, because I as a buyer yeah. am way more likely to watch a video and actually pay attention to it. If the person that's on my calendar is there because I may even want to vet. I'm so slammed. We have this X, Y, Z going on. I'm going on a work trip or trying to wrap things up for a family vacation. Can I ghost them not out of rudeness, but as can I drop this or not? But if someone did that 15 second video said, hey, looking forward to meeting you tomorrow or the next day or whatever, and they say something that's personal or it's clearly for me or they remind me why we're meeting in the first place, because oftentimes I'll forget if I'm being sold to you're not my highest priority, but you remind me without me having to go dive into our LinkedIn conversation. Now I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay. I will hold that one because I can at least, you know, set an anchor for a talking point for when I get back. Uh, and it's, it's about establishing a tempo too. If I send you that video and it's three minutes long, you're like, ah, geez, I don't have time to watch this. If it's 15 seconds. And here's my other secret sauce is all my videos have subtitles in them. I burn my mm. subtitles into the video so you can even watch it if it's on mute. Yep. If somebody sends you a 15 second thing and it's light and short and concise, it's like, okay, you, you kind of get a feeling for what the meeting is going to be like. I would give them a call and be like, hey, Scott, I've got a new update. It's only going to be a minute. Can I just tell you? And I'll jump off the phone and sure. be like, yeah. And I would set a timer for myself and I would be like, do not go over three minutes, Chris. Yeah. Find a way to cut the call. But again, it's establishing a tempo where I'm training prospects to know, oh, I can talk to this Chris Vogue guy for a minute. And he's not going to pull me into an hour long meeting. Yeah. And, and buyers are smart. They know this and they know, no, you know what? This person who's asking for seven seconds is going to take more than seven seconds of my time. You know, whereas you see the video, you see it's 15 seconds long. You, okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, you see the prime stamp and you can deliver it on your time and they can watch it on your time. You no longer have to rely on that catching them off guard type of a thing. And then... I think it's daycare or whatever, because it's a number I don't know. And all of a sudden I'm just in the complete wrong mindset. So like I coach two different types of video, right? I coach okay. video prospecting for sales and I coach video content creation. I'm always thinking about this. Like, is this a one-to-many thing or is this a one-to-one? -one? Yeah. And yeah. for my one-to-many, I get very creative. Sketch comedy, man on the street interviews, yeah. effects, music, you know, like whatever. I will get very creative. And if I was at a conference and I was like getting clips of people, I would probably do that more as like a one-to-many video. I put that on LinkedIn. I tag them on there. I would try to get them that engagement. With my prospecting videos, I am very different than how a lot of people use video prospecting because I don't get creative there. It's uh -huh. always just me talking directly to them. Mm. 
I actually think that's what kind of gets people too nervous to do it is like they're trying to do creative outreach and they're thinking too hard. And I'm like, actually, what's interesting is that somebody noticed you being noticed, even just reaching out, just being like, I might put that video up there, but then I'll send them a prospecting video being like, hey, like, once again, really enjoyed your chat. I hope you appreciate the content that I turned it into. And I would be really interested in chatting with you. Sometimes I go in there, I go drop an emoji. If you just leave a (laughs) thumbs up, I'll send you some available times if you want to chat on Zoom. And if you don't want to chat, that's fine. Just let me know. I'll mark that this is not for you. You could even send me a thumbs down if that's more convenient. And if you've ever done sales, you know, that's really what you want. You can't expect a yes out of everybody. But chasing around people that aren't responding to you is like where most failing sales reps go wrong. Like they spend too much time chasing people that aren't going to give them an answer one way or another. And they're not prioritizing the gettable accounts. I'm going to send that video out there to make it official, officially get them into that next meeting. And then you're in, then they're in the pipeline. Then you carry through like a regular sales process. Who should be receiving a, a video in the first place is the thing I focus a lot on. What are you seeing as far as marketing taking the things that we talked about and that energy of how you can push pipeline through and say, all right, if I attach video prospecting to the tail end of XYZ campaign, whether it be an ABM campaign or a direct mail campaign or whatever it is, and I need that additional engagement to get the ROI and the pipeline drive out of what I'm trying to generate for them, how do I push or educate or get folks to adopt this better than just what we're doing today, which isn't working and just saying, hey, here's how we do it. Here's the tool. Here's an example. Now go for it. And then, like I said, 5% of the people take it up. Yeah, that's a great question. I have an audience out strategy for video marketing. The first thing I do if a company hires me to help them do creative video marketing is I say, okay, Let's just say you have control of the algorithm tomorrow. This message is going to be delivered directly to who you want it to be delivered to. Who's this message for? Who would you send this to? A lot of marketers can't even tell me that. They're just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it sticks. And I say, okay, that's the first thing we need to figure out. Before you can figure out the thing that's going to resonate with a million people, I always start by talking to one person. So it's like, okay, this is the person you're selling to. It's the job title they have. This is the problem they have. Imagine they're sitting across the table from you drinking coffee because they are, you know, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what your job title is. Most executives are like, they're going to watch your video. They're sitting at home in pajama pants, like working from home, right? A lot of what people do on video in B2B is too presentational. Yeah. B2B speakers tend to, they know what it's like to speak in, in front of a large room mm-hmm. where you have to project and you have to be very expressive because the people in the back need to hear and see you. I'm a guy that's curious about the same things my buyers are curious about, right? And I tell B2B companies, you don't want to handle objections in a sales call. You want to handle them in your marketing content. Go out there and show that you understand the problem. If you're different than everybody, you got to show them why they're different. Oh, you save people time. You got to show them how you save time. It's all a strategy about being like, okay, like what do they need to see to understand that you understand what they're going through? 
And that starts by talking to them. So you got to figure out where your buyers buy, where do they spend their time? And that's where we start from. They go ask about something. You ask about a question related to the problem. You gather those responses. Now you've got the fodder to make your first video. And you're going to be going out there. You set your cadence. How many of these do you want to be making a week? You got to hold yourself to that. But you're going to go start making videos about the topic. And you're going to keep a close eye on your analytics. And when something overperforms, get very curious about what it was that resonated with people. And that can mean qualitative research. So directly asking them, hey, I saw you interacted with the post. Your audience will reveal to you what they care about. And your audience is not always going to agree with you about what good content is. And you're a guy who's done editing at a high level. So you're going to know this is true, Scott. Sometimes you spend days agonizing and pouring over what you think is the most amazing piece of video content ever, and nobody watches it. And sometimes you go out there and you do 30 seconds of you doing something like just small or something. And that's the one that blows up. I always say it's like, I don't know what good content is. You don't know what good content is. That's something the audience reveals to us. Yeah. You know, and and your job as a video marketer is just give them more. Give them more of what they want. Yeah, that's so right. When I was at this Gartner conference, I was trying to experiment with different types of video. And I had a moment where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go walk to the barbecue joint that's a mile away and document it. I'm like, this sounds stupid and silly, but I'm just going to go for it. And so I navigate my way to the hotel and then I go outside and then I go down to the place and it is just extremely hot and i'm making fun of how bad a decision i made and using the big huge signs or the statues and the caesars to like lead my way as if i'm having a conversation with them and i edited it down from all those micro videos along the way to like 45 seconds or something that got crazy views wild engagement versus not wild engagement but really good engagement And a video that I made over Christmas of like a best practice that was one of my best tips that I train on was abysmal. And I think all that daisy chained together. So on that note, that was really low quality production. It was literally me holding up my phone with an almost busted camera lens and going for it. You were talking about all the amount of work to do to find out what to talk about. And we made this great video when we put it out on these channels and I'm like a multi five figure video budget for like a series of short, what, what are we doing? Like that is insane. I have done that where you spend 10, 20 grand and you go and make this big production and shoot like 10 professionally made case studies in a row. But I feel that is no longer needed whatsoever. And you can just do everything handheld because it's more real. Would you agree with that? And do you think there's still a place for the very formal videos as well? Yeah, I was always, I always was taught that was a hero video is what I always heard it called. That is something that companies love because you just spend a bunch of money once. And then that one video is supposed to win you new business forever. That made sense. A while ago, it's not a bad idea to have a professional video on your website. There are worse things you could spend money on. Yeah. 
But the nature of social media is it's more about going out there consistently than it is having one very high performing video. And it's more about what do you have to say? You know, and, and the goal isn't to prove that you're you've got this one amazing solution. It's like you want to become part of their ecosystem. It, it takes a lot of touch points before somebody is even willing to begin thinking about adopting your product. So even if they go see the one video once and it's amazing, that's not necessarily going to move the needle. But if you're out there regularly talking about the things that your people care about, like that's really where you build the trust, the credibility, and that's really where you actually have the headspace to educate them on what they do. Like they're not going to accept your information just because they saw a well-produced video on your website. It's an ongoing conversation. And I think a lot of companies miss that. And the best creators I see out there, it's not that they're perfect. It's just they're out there all the time. And they're very good at storytelling. And they're very good at pulling people into the story with them. And a lot of what I do and a lot of what I coach and a lot of the trends that I'm getting on that where I think this whole content thing is going is there's got to be something a little interactive about it. I do stuff where I, I create like a live moment where the audience doesn't know what's going to happen. That's very exciting. I used to do a show back when I was a, a comedian. I did a show for a couple of years and we called it A Hair Away from Disaster. And that's how I like to play. I'll do these stunts. I've done stunts where I'm like on LinkedIn Live, cold FaceTiming people on my phone. And if you're a sales pro and you want to give me some advice, drop it in the comments. That's going to be more interesting because one, they're going to see if you actually did it. Two, you're reporting back to them in real time with something real that just happened with you. And now you're giving the audience the chance to come in there and showcase their knowledge. And you'd probably get a lot of sales leaders who are willing to do that because people don't realize they need that. Yeah. And you touched on it without touching on it, the unique places that you can place video. So obviously, an email, you can place it in, you can put a link to the video in a LinkedIn message, direct message to them. Where can a salesperson stand out by posting a video? So let's start with the sales piece first of unique places to connect. I think LinkedIn is a great platform for video content. Nobody's doing it. It is great for a seller. If you are just a person who talks about a topic, that is a reason to be able to connect with people other than just like you're going to ask them for a business meeting. I think like organic reach on LinkedIn is fantastic. A lot of people have this problem early on. They're like, okay, I'm going to make the video and I'm going to post it to LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. And that's too much. The different platforms have different expectations. The video is going to show up looking different there. The text around the video shows up. There's different expectations. It is much easier to just decide, okay, I'm going to do this on LinkedIn, or I'm going to do this on YouTube, or I'm going to do it on TikTok. Once you have that rhythm established, now if you want to branch out into another platform, you already have pre-made content that you can schedule there. Because the apps value consistency more than anything else. Sometimes people start on Instagram. Yep. Hey, that's great. I've had clients who like all their people are on Instagram. We're going to do an Instagram strategy. They're regularly putting content out there. 
But now if they want to move to YouTube or they want to move to LinkedIn or something, hey, you've already got a bank of a few dozen videos, right? So you can schedule it. So it goes out every Friday at two. And now you can train your audience. Hey, if you want to check out new videos every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, that's when the new video is dropping. The more you're showing up there regularly, the easier it is for your audience to find you. And then once you've got a rhythm, once you've got a bank of content, now you can figure out, okay, how am I going to repurpose this for a different platform? When makes the most sense for me to put it out there? Do I want to create a company page first or whatever? But if you try to do all the platforms at one time, you're going to fail at all of them and you're going to burn out. That's my advice on that. Wow. I've even learned some things beyond our last conversation on some of these tips and tricks on what's being pushed right now, where the best traction is and that the whole turning it into a short and then the shorts getting pushed more than just a standard video because I even went through last week and uploaded, I don't know, a couple dozen videos that I've made, but they're long form and they're horizontal. Basically, it means the algorithm's gonna poo-poo on them. <laughs> so maybe I convert those in an editing tool to vertical and take the best sound bites and it'd be more beneficial to just rapid fire upload a bunch of those after a little bit of editing on either the phone app or a better tool, which there's really, it's pretty easy. Now it used to be something you had to go to school for really train on. I think that video editing now is much easier than it used to be. So I wouldn't be threatened by that. Just dive into it. And it's fairly intuitive. Yeah. And uh, Adobe has a, they recently introduced a reformat sequence option, which Mm. is helpful. It's Mm. not perfect. Yeah. If your video is rather simple, it's pretty intuitive at turning your horizontal video into a vertical one. So you might explore that as well. Awesome. Another great tip. The last thing that uh, I want to cover is that marketing team is bought in. A few of the reps are bought in. Is there something besides just evangelizing your sales reps who love video to push it to the rest of the team? Or are there some tips and tricks on how a marketing team can help bring the sales team on board with utilizing the advantage of video. I'm a big believer in like sales and marketing just need to talk to each other more. Oftentimes the left and right hand are not talking to each other. And marketing has a very bird's eye view of the landscape. Sales is on the ground talking to people directly. Like, again, that you are making video for the buyer, whether it's one to many or one to one the more you talk to each other about what's working and what you're seeing, the easier it is to figure out what's the right thing to say on video. But these are just not things people talk about. And I recommend, I say you should have at least once a month. This is work that B2B companies tend to say, oh, just do it on nights and weekends. You have to make time for it. You have to make time to write. You have to make time to film and distribute the video. And... Not everybody has to be a video star, but usually there's at least one on every team. Sales and marketing teams are full of charismatic performers. Many times they already know how to go out there and do stuff like this. They just don't have permission to do it. Yeah, we're the extroverts of the company. So there's going to be a champion that can do video. And I love your point on the working together on the actual writing of the script. All of a sudden they're automatically bought in because they were a part of the creation of it. And they're not going to want to let that work go to waste, just like we never want the work to go to waste on the marketing side and are devastated when sales doesn't pick something up that we work so hard on. 
But if you work on it together, maybe that's another angle to get them in on the video game more proactively. Yeah, I think this is a great note to end on because this is what I firmly believe. The running thread between all of this, between creating videos with others, creating video for marketing, creating videos for sales, moving someone through a sales pipeline, you have to create an experience that you go through together. Yeah. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, that's going to be too hard for our sales team there, blah, 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 or it's going to be too hard for our marketing team, blah, blah, blah. I would say that's an advantage you have because the more painful the experience is to go through and break through that barrier that you think is there, the more you're going to connect with the team that you're working with to make that come to life. And knowing how hard it is, you're probably going to have a little bit better outcome than it's like rainbows and butterflies whenever you work with them. It's going to have that better outcome and you're going to be able to work together on other projects more effectively moving forward too. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be hard. It can be fun. If you want to get a jump start on doing this, I have a course. It's called The Complete Guide to Selling on Video. You can get it at crispo.io. It is my baby. I spent a long time making this thing short as always. It's about two and a half hours total when you combine all the lessons. But I go deep into all aspects of this on-camera performance, list building, script writing for all stages of the pipeline, LinkedIn audience growth, LinkedIn versus Gmail deliverability best practices. And it's funny. There is sketch comedy between every module to pull you into the next module. So if you want to learn how to do the video prospecting thing, most sales teams flounder around with no process for a year. You can learn this and be ahead of the curve. By the end of it, you'll have your first 25 videos shot, edited, captioned, and sent to your pipeline. And if you don't want it to be a terrible time getting on video, I also do coaching and training. You can bring me in. I coach sales teams to sell as a team. I coach content creators to make video content as a team. I am an improv comedian and sketch comedian by trade. So I make it fun. I get everybody loose. I get everybody comfortable in an environment where they're not going to feel judged. And yeah, when you get people up there having fun, you end up creating cool stuff. So check out chrisbogue.io or message me on LinkedIn if you want to learn more. That's fantastic. We'll also put a link to Chris's site where you can find all these assets on chronologic.com forward slash podcast. And you just click into the page for this episode for Chris and you can find it there as well. You can find the other Making Fun of Marketing podcast episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And then again, chronologic.com forward slash podcast. So please like, subscribe and listen to this and check out Chris's site. And hopefully this made you a little bit more educated on the new how-tos of video and what to do and how to do it from the sales and marketing perspective both. So Chris, thank you for joining us and we'll see you again. Thanks for having me. Hopefully this was a bright spot in your day. You can go ahead and listen to more episodes at chronologic.com forward slash podcast and give us a five-star review and subscribe if you just want to hear more and get a bet to you. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone.